Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome, Vernon Kay and Darren Fletcher. This it is the Fumble Podcast. Yes, we promised you we'd be here week in, week out, but we failed last week, so we're back this week. Uh, it's busy, busy. I've been doing all kinds of stuff. In fact, as we record this, I'm on ITV as we speak, hosting loose men, making blokes aware of how easy it is to track testicular cancer in your nuts. Anyway, speaking of a big nut, here we go. Darren hey. Fletcher, welcome. You had a couple of weeks off. I <laughs> Hey, do you know what? When I used to do Fletch and Sam, on BT Sport. All the lads used to call it loose men back then. So I nice. there some, Yeah, there must be some, some kind of copyright where we could make a few quid named on me for that. There you go. Well, it, you <laughs> know, it, it's it, it's a good thing. And I think with mental health awareness and all that palaver, it's International Men's Day on Saturday as we record this tomorrow. And I think it's, you know, it, it's at it's the forefront of male conversation, just talking about your stuff. And, and when it comes down to brass tacks, Darren, if you and I, had a couple of pints in front of us, which we, on a regular basis, we do. You, We just open up and chat shit, I think, is the phrase that's commonly used amongst blogs. Fern, did you just say tomorrow is International Men's Day? Yeah. Just wait there one second. Just wait there. I think I'll you'll be able to hear it. Cue the music from uh, Heartbeat, Lauren. I think it was called. Dinga, 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 ding. Down tomorrow, it's International Men's Day. I'd let you know, Vern's just told me. Okay. I just told the wife that it's International Men's Day tomorrow. <laughs> what, you expected a free swim? I, I never knew that tomorrow was International... I'm so excited now. Tomorrow's International Men's Day. I, I, I just have a teller there and then. So yeah. she knows now. I'm, listen, you just made my weekend. There you go, we International Men's Day. Now. Yeah, you and Luca can go and do whatever you want. Yeah, well, that's brilliant. Hey, now listen, we can't do anything with regard to the NFL until we tell everybody about your morning. 
Because it's never, you know, we say, look, we, we didn't do the podcast last week or we, we were a bit late starting last week. It does tend to be you, right? We love you today, but it does tend to be you. You tend to be the one that says, ah, I forgot. You're the worst in the world at managing your own diary. So yeah. everything's done with the greatest of desire. But then you think, ah, shit, I forgot about that. Now, that's why we love you, right? Because that, that's that's Vern. Because so I'm useless. Got, yeah, me and Crossy just go, that's Vern. It's just you, right? So that's great. We're, we're, let, let's get that straight. But this morning, everything was moving towards a 10.45 a.m. record. So I'd gone for a game of tennis this morning, not played tennis for three years, one six four against a man much younger than me. So I'm very happy about that. Hence why I took the message so well when it came. So at about, ooh, I would suggest 9.45, 9.30, we get a photograph and a message from the great Vernon Cade that said, what, my friend? Can we postpone? I'm off to the doctors. I've burnt myself on the steamer. <laughs> now, it is as ridiculous as it sounds. This is stupid. So in our house, we have the standard iron, which I use, which I abide by. But we also have a steamer, which Tess and Phoebe prefer when it comes to getting the creases out your trousers or your shirt or whatever. Good so for dresses. Morning, good for dresses. Yeah, good for dresses. Good exactly. for dresses, yeah. That's why the girls love it. Yeah. So this morning, Tessie's on her way up to Blackpool because it's a Strictly Come Dancing Blackpool special at the Tower Ballroom. And she asked me if I could steam her white overcoat, which oh. I did. Now then, because we've done a lot of steaming on uh, clothes which have had dark lint on them, like a woolly jumper or stuff like that, the steamer head was covered in black lint. So I thought, being... Uh, a bright young gentleman who uses a lot of common sense. If I use this steam ahead on this white coat, she's going to get black lint all over her coat. So what did I do? I cleaned the steam ahead. But how did I clean the steam ahead? I wiped the steamer down my chest to clean it on my T-shirt whilst the steamer was fucking steaming. <laughs> so I've got a steam mark down the side of my stomach, which absolutely kills me. And I'm sorry for swearing on the podcast, but the pain is ridiculous. Within 10 minutes, it had blistered. Within 20 minutes, I was down the doctors. So I've got cream. I've got antibiotics. Uh, not antibiotics. I've got painkillers. I am ready to go, Darren Fletcher. I don't mind saying that when we saw the picture, because you, you put a picture on our group. So I came back and I said to Lauren, my wife, I said, why do you think we didn't record the podcast at 10.45 this morning? Gave her a few guesses, you know, as you do. So I then showed her the picture, and she immediately said, was he trying to iron his stomach? And I said, no, he's got a good stomach. I said, Vern's got a good stomach. I said, there are no creases on there. The great Vernon Case stomach is fine. Oh, she was speculating that there might have been a little lump or crease or that, and he was trying to do it with a steamer. But you're okay now. I'm all right now. The pain is ridiculous, sure. but I'm all right now. Yeah, Every, everything sure. is honky-dory. We're a little bit late, but we're up and running and we're ready to go. Uh, Darren, we should kick off with something that has been quite spectacular. Mm. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home, taking on the Seattle Seahawks at home in Munich. In Munich, yeah. Germany. It was epic. The Allianz Stadium looked fantastic. The fans were queuing three hours before the game to get inside. The atmosphere was tremendous. Rich Eisen and the team on NFL Network, I think, were taken aback. They, they couldn't believe what they were hearing. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. Uh, in my opinion, 
It was awesome. It looked brilliant. And it's everything that we want and have wanted the atmosphere to be at Wembley and at Tottenham. But I think we've got some catching up to do, Darren. They're only one game in. Yeah. Um, the only caveat is I'm trying to think back what it was like when the Giants played the Dolphins way back when in the rain. Because that's a long time ago now. So we're kind of saying, look, this is their first game. And didn't it sound great? And didn't it sound better than Wembley and Tottenham this year? But I can't quite remember what our first one sounded like. I don't think it probably sounded as good as that because that was off the scale. I mean, that was like something else. Um, what I would say is, look, I've, done, I've been to the Allianz Arena a lot. Um, Champions League games there, semi-finals there. And it's a magnificent venue, it really is. It's a nightmare to get away from. Um, it's okay to get into, but it's a nightmare to get away from. If you're not staying in a hotel, walking distance from where you are, it's a it's a pig to get away from. Um, and if you want to get in and out by car, you will just sit there for two hours and no traffic moves. I mean, it is a Wembley is, is significantly better to get in and out of, and Wembley's a nightmare, but it's better than the Allianz. Look, I I enjoyed it. I don't get carried away with this stuff anymore because we've seen so many international series games now played in a variety of places, you know, London, Mexico, now, now Germany. And of course they sell the tickets. Of course, everybody goes, of course there are shirts from all over the place. And I think that narrative has to change the way that Germany embraced it. I wasn't surprised when I think back to those early international series games, lots of us servicemen based in Germany flew over to watch the games. So there's a, not only a, a big German audience waiting for that NFL action, but there are also lots of US service people who are over there as well. And it gives them an opportunity to go and watch their sport um, a lot nearer than it would be if they had to fly home. I'm a little bit concerned though, mate, I've got to be honest. And I, I, I've, I've said this for a little while now, that what worries me is that we've had it so good in London, but we've also had it exclusively in London. And the more markets want a piece of the NFL, the more diluted that these opportunities come just because of the schedule. All of a sudden, you can't say, look, we're going to go and play 20 games around the world every NFL season because that just won't work. So that the more games they play in Germany and potentially elsewhere, now that the marketing deals are out there for NFL teams to own parts of Europe, that automatically means that the more... Uh, territories they want to play games in, the fewer games that the individual territories that are established are going to have. So when I see NFL fans over here um, who report and do things as well, start waxing lyrical about Munich, that's okay. But I fear that eventually that's going to cost us games in London. And as a UK-based NFL fan, I'm selfish. The last thing I want to see our games leave these shores and go somewhere else because the atmosphere is great, the stadium's good. I couldn't give a monkeys. I want games in London. I don't want anybody else to have it because I want to see the games here. And it, it worries me. Germany's such a great country. It's a great place to host an event. They will do it fantastically well. The crowd are extremely passionate about it. The NFL are going to fall in love with it. I'm told that Kansas City already have and they're desperate to go and play there. So this, I think, is a potential problem now for London moving forward. And if it works out the way I fear, a big problem for London going forward. Well, you know what it makes me think, Darren? It makes me think that the reason why Germany 
Munich, wherever, Frankfurt, Hamburg, Berlin, whatever. It makes me think, no, that the one simple reason why Germany wasn't the first country to have an international series game or, or before London was the language barrier. That simple. That simple. Because it's only, what, an extra hour on a flight, on an international flight? And let's not forget, when NFL Europe was at its best many, many, many years ago, we did have the London Monarchs, but we didn't have a team based in England. We ended up having the Scottish Claymores. There were numerous teams in Germany. Germany yeah. has a greater history of embracing the actual NFL and everything that the NFL does than we do. And we're yeah. kind of shooting ourselves in the face by highlighting this because, like you say, we want more NFL international games in London or we want to keep that level of NFL international games the same. We don't want Germany or anywhere else, for that matter, in Europe to take our international series games. But what I think it's proven is, or it raises the question, have we become complacent? Because I remember we were waxing lyrical on the podcast. We were talking about the fact that the Jaguars embraced their first ever logistical game in London. They host, they didn't have the NFL International UK office do all the logistics for them, their arrival, their accommodation, the stadium, the way it looked. It was a Jacksonville Jaguars effort this year. And it was good. The atmosphere was, was fab. But I think what we've stumbled across is that, yes, we have opened the eyes of the NFL to a market which, in my opinion, is far greater than the UK. Far greater. The passion for the sport is far greater. The knowledge of the game is a lot better than it is here. And I think the NFL now has to be really cautious of asking itself, well, hang on a minute, we've invested in the Tottenham Stadium, the Jags have invested in Wembley, where do we move forward? Is Germany... Is there no chance to go to France? Let's not forget, France loves American football. Spain loves American football. Are these teams now going to go... Are the Jags, would they think, oh, maybe London isn't the rising star that we see on the NFL yeah. horizon? Who knows? Did I read somewhere this week as well that the, the, the development work at the Bernabeu in Madrid is going to involve some kind of pitch that can be used for the NFL also? So there's Spain, a market where people would, would potentially like to go. What I'd say about Germany, Vern, I covered the World Cup there in 2006. And I know that when you have an event in London, whether it be an England game or um, an NFL game, whatever it is, transport links into Wembley are pretty bad. And in terms of trains stopping and, you know, you've got to leave by a certain time because there's no way to get in and out. That logistical issue would never happen in Germany. They they would just allow the, the, the train system in particular over there, which runs absolutely like clockwork, very, very luxurious trains. German stuff. efficiency, Darren, German yeah. efficiency. Vern, I covered the entire World Cup by train. We never we never took flights or cars or anything. We went on trains from city to city. If the train says 707, departs at 708, it arrives at 707, it leaves at 708. You get there at 709, you're not on it. You get there at 706, you've got a minute to spare. So th this is what it is. So they will also, I know work around the NFL to make that whole fan experience a lot more friendly and a lot more user-friendly than we would in London, where all of a sudden you've got a problem about trains running out. There aren't any trains. I've got to leave by a certain time. We've got to kick off X, Y, and Z. It's a nightmare to get in and out from. I know I made the point about the Allianz in terms of getting in and out, but being able to get to Munich from different parts of Germany to watch that game 
will be a piece of cake because they'll make sure that it's a piece of cake because that's the way their transport infrastructure is, which again is very appealing to a league like the NFL where they want to drive as much traffic as they possibly can into the city, into the arena, and then back out again because this is the way they do things in the US. Yeah, interesting. It's all interesting stuff. But you know what? I think I think we're in a good place. You know, let's not forget that it was only 2007 that we started having regular season games over here, like you mentioned earlier on, the Giants and the Dolphins. And I remember that game. It, it was damp. Uh, we cheered the first downs, and that was about it. There wasn't much singing. There wasn't much kind of brouhaha. And I think mainly because of the weather. The weather was yeah. shocking. It was absolutely awful. Uh, and we've come a long way since then. Remember, there was the one season where we had four NFL regular season games in the UK, which was tremendous. So we've been inundated. We've all of a sudden had a, a tidal wave, a tsunami of NFL interest in London. And now I just wonder whether that ripple in Germany could do exactly the same for them and turn their NFL experience into a tsunami of, of, of games. Do you know what I did think, though, when I watched it? it I was a little bit sceptical when we did the programme on Five Live. We spoke about it a little bit on the, on the last football that we did, this idea that you could have a European division. When I saw Germany and then I saw London and you put those two together, you don't need a lot more for this division that Roger Goodell spoke about being a possibility. Because if you've got that kind of fan base in Germany, you've got the fan base that we know is established in the United Kingdom. You don't need a great deal more you either need another franchise in Germany or the UK and one in another country. And then you've got four and then you have got a division and then you can put that into the NFL and you can take a look at doing the kind of situation that, that Roger Goodell alluded to. Didn't quite go like balls deep and say, look, this is what we're going to do. But he did kind of say, look, this is feasible and it's possible in our opinion. Seeing Germany embrace it the way that they did, allied to London, you know straight away you've got two certainties, two bases that can safely house an NFL franchise within a division. So I thought that as, as concerned as I was about us losing games on a rotational basis if they're just one-off regular season matches, it did make me more confident seeing how many people were there and what the atmosphere was like that they could potentially have this division set up that, that Goodell spoke about when, when he was asked. Yeah, yeah. I just think, you know, the, the pilot, you would imagine, the pilot scheme that the NFL would run, you would think would be, let's do two back-to-back -back games in London, followed by two back-to-back -back games in Munich, or London, Munich, London, Munich. Let's see how that works. Let's see whether they're as popular. Let's see whether we get that atmosphere from both stadiums. But at the end of the day, I think, and this is a big shout-out to all NFL UK fans, We've got to up our game. It's as yes. simple as that. We've got we, to up yeah. our game. We could also do London, New York, Paris, Munich, and then we could all talk about pop music. Ah! <laughs> Hello. Hello, there he is. There he is. BT Sports, Darren Fletcher, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> is in the room. Bada -bum -bada. You know, it's true, though, but you just made the point there that if you went London, Munich, London, Munich, We've gone from four to two straight away. Just and, and when I sit here and say I don't like that, I don't. I have no interest in the NFL growing itself. I couldn't give a monkey's if the owner of the San Francisco 49ers gets more money because we have games in the UK. I don't give a toss. 
I care about this from my perspective that I can go and watch four NFL games in my own country every year. I don't want that to go down to two to share it with Germany. I don't care what they what they do. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll be honest. I, I, I like I loved it when we got four games and you sat there and thought, wow, a quarter of the NFL regular season, as it was with a 16-game schedule, is being played here. We've got a quarter of those 16 weeks in the UK. And isn't it great? If we then go down to two, because Germany's good at it, I'll be gutted. I'm not happy about that. I'm not going on there to try and look good on Twitter to say, oh, you know, I'm some kind of NFL journalist in the UK, so let's all blow smoke up Munich's backside. I don't want that. I want the games here. And I think it's all right, but just be careful what you wish for. I always think that in, in sport and in life. Be careful what you wish for. Let's not try and do the, the decent thing and say great things about Munich. Of course it's good, but it can't be at the behest of what we're doing over here. Otherwise, we're all going to be disappointed, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, oh, see, I, I don't... I, we could go into this and we could peel away the pages of what's good and what's bad. We could do a checklist of what we like and what we don't like about NFL International in London. Uh, and I don't want to get into that because we're always singing the praises of the NFL because we love the game and we love what they do. But I just think there's so many different elements on the outskirts of the actual, the main nucleus of what the NFL is trying to achieve that the knock-on effect is massive. Like, massive. And I think, I'm going to say it, sod it. I think Tottenham Stadium, not the facility, but where it is, has been a massive blow for NFL yeah. international teams and games. I think it's a shocking, shocking place to have an NFL game. It's great for a soccer game because you go in, you come out. NFL is about celebration and it's about enjoying the spectacle. There is nowhere in Tottenham where you can tailgate, chill out, relax, have a beer, uh, you're on the high street. It cost the NFL a fortune to close that main high street. I don't think it's the right place at all for that NFL stadium to be. But anyway, that's just one thing. I, I agree. And, I don't want to get look, bogged down. Look, access, you can't drive to it very well. There's no tube. You've got to walk two miles to, to Seven Sisters to get on the tube, or you've got to take the overground and you've got to change. Logistically, it's a problem. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, yeah. Look, like we, we could, you say, we could peel it back like an onion and you find good and bad all the way through. You know, my my kind of take on all this is that I'm delighted that Munich went well. A lot of people put a lot of hard work into it. But if it means we lose games, I don't like it. So that's that's just kind of where I am. But well done. They sang Country Roads really nicely. Sweet Caroline went down well. I think if we'd have done that day one, if we'd have sat there singing Country Roads and Sweet Caroline, we would have been mocked in the US for not understanding their game. I remember the time when we were getting criticised for cheering field goals and extra points and that kind of thing, and they were taking the piss, for want of a better frame, out of the way we conducted ourselves in the stadium, when in actual fact, we had a fair idea of what was going on, some more so than others. So, Oh, Darren, Darren, listen, listen, right? There's that thing that I despise that the NFL did for about 10 years on the big screens. What do the British called trousers oh, or mate. pants. Oh. What is the trunk? It's like, give me yeah. a break. What is a this bonnet? Is what this is what I'm saying. Isn't it funny that Carson Wentz looks like Prince Harry? Yeah. It, we were treated like imbeciles. Crazy. Like the history of the NFL in the UK starts way back in early, early to mid 80s. I think 83, Vern. Minnesota came against the old St. Louis Cardinals. 
And prior to that, American football was on Channel 4 from 81 or 82, I think it was. Yeah. So we've got a good, we've got almost 40 years of NFL <laughs> experience on this country. And, and the Americans, it seems now, were totally unaware of our interest in the NFL until we started getting American ball games. And we got 60, 70 players on the sidelines. Uh, we very rarely saw the likes of Dan Marino, Joe Montana take to the field, Bernie Kosar, Randall Cunningham, all those guys that came over, Eric Dickerson. Uh, we very rarely saw the stars. So that was kind of, oh, look at these poor people across the Atlantic. They only get the uh, the kind of the practice squads and they get the players who are trying to make it or break it. Don't worry. They don't understand it anyway. It's fine. And now we get regular season games in 2007. It's like, oh, my God, they're cheering an extra point. Well, yeah, because we're sports fans. And, and we're having a good time. We're having and we're having a good time. time. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? You could flip that coin and say, listen, you Americans don't know anything about live sport because every time we visited, all you know is one song. Let's go Chicago. Let's go Buccaneers. Let's yeah. go Rams. One song. Every franchise has one song and they don't sing. They don't get involved. There is no fan participation in an NFL stadium. It's that simple. So when they come over here and they're oh, you're cheering, it's like, yes, because we love live events. That's yeah. what we do. The Europeans love live events. We love rivalries. We love we love it being tribal. I mean, we've got the World Cup coming up, and whether you like it or not, you're going to get a Man City fan and a Man United fan stood next to each other in a bar in city centre Manchester cheering together. Whereas on any given Saturday, they'd be going hell for leather at each other. It's hilarious. Yeah. And, and, and I think anybody who has any experience in watching football in Germany... If you go to Dortmund or you go to Munich and various other places, the atmosphere is off the scale. They've got some of the best sports fans in the world. They they love it. They sing their songs. They have a pint. They, they don't cause any trouble. They're great. And that's what you got last week. My, my plea to Brett Gosper, who I've only spoken to two or three times. I don't know him. Always seems to be very, very sensible when you, when you um, discuss this kind of thing with him. He said to me on Five Live, before the first London game this year, that he didn't think Germany would have any impact on London. And I just hope that he goes in there and he fights for it. Bearing in mind, he's NFL international, so he's got a foot in the German camp as well as he has in the United Kingdom, which is understandable. But I just hope he follows through on that statement that whatever happens in Germany shouldn't have an impact on what happens in the UK. If that's the case, then I, I, I'm great with it. If that's not the case, and I think we need a bit of clarity to, to make sure that we all know where we are because a lot of people have spent a lot of money on the National Football League to try and help the, these owners get where they are now in terms of international series matches. And I wouldn't like to think that at the first available opportunity, some of those people here in, in, in the United Kingdom are jilted for fans in Germany, might have fresh wallets and fresh ideas, and they think we can go again. I just hope there's going to be enough loyalty now shown to the fans over here who have enabled them, enabled them, to have what they call an international series and to even be able to consider expanding globally in the way that they are, because that's entirely down to the NFL fan in the United Kingdom and nobody else. Yeah. Nobody else. Yeah. And we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not poo-pooing it. We're not saying nope. this is the end. We're just, because you and I have got enough experience in the worlds of sports and entertainment and, and all that palaver, we know how this could end up. Yes. And that's why we're being cautious. That's all. I'm happy Germany, Germany can have eight as long as we get at least three. I'm not bothered. As long as we don't lose anything, I don't care what anybody else gets. Exactly. But we've got our little slot now. And 
Yeah. I just hope for the fans over here who spent hundreds and hundreds, thousands of pounds buying tickets year upon year for these games and supporting them and making sure that these stadia are always full. Don't just get left at the altar because Germany looks like the the, the, the better potential bride. That that's what I don't want to see. Exactly. If that doesn't happen, then fine. I, I wish everybody all the best. It just it just I've just seen this in the past. I've seen how these things go. We've experienced it. You're the same as me. We've we've seen it. Um, anyway, off that, off that, right? We make no secret on the football podcast that you and I are Chicago Bears fans and have been since those halcyon days of 1985, summer of '86 when the Fridge and Co and Jim McMahon came for the American Bowl against the Dallas Cowboys, all that kind of thing. And we've had one or two highs. We've had a lot of lows since 1985. We now have a quarterback, my friend, called Justin Fields, who shouldn't be the Chicago quarterback because Chicago don't have quarterbacks like Justin Fields. But by God, we've got one now. We've got a man at the moment who might just be the best running back in the NFL playing quarterback for the Bears. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's a good-looking fella. He's extremely charismatic. He's hard as nails. And I, for one, am delighted. And we all gush about Lamar Jackson. I think we've got another superstar here at the quarterback position on our hands in Chicago. He is box office, Vern. Well, I'm going to quote, unquote yourself. You reckon he's the best running back in the league. Never mind. He is at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen some of these touchdown runs? I mean, my word, if that was was Derrick Henry, you'd say, fine. I mean, this is Justin Fields. Well, it's interesting, Darren, because a lot of commentators in the US, a lot of American media, particularly in Chicago, were saying, listen... We, we know his skill set. We know what he can do. Why don't you just design running plays for the guy, for the quarterback? Just forget yeah. it. And then all of a sudden, I think it was last weekend, he, they, they did exactly that. He broke the mould and he became like an amazing, an amazing rusher of the football. But also what you've got, and it's really important in the NFL, if you take a look at the average scores, I think this isn't official, but the majority of NFL games this year have been really close. Really, really close. Fourth quarter games, you know, two possession yeah. games, that kind of thing. He's the kind of guy you want under centre. That's the kind of guy you need to lead a team, a person that can do it himself. We've seen Mahomes do it. We've seen Brady do it. These are the icons of the sport. Joe Montana did it in the past. These are the icons of the sport that leave a legacy, that build a foundation of a team, that allow that team to become great. And if they've got someone who can do it uh, in the dying moments of a game, I think you've got someone special and that's what he can do. But saying that, now that we've got that, we need to revamp other parts of the team. And it's always difficult. And I and I say this about all these kinds of quarterbacks because these kind of quarterbacks put the fear of God in me. Not because I'm a defensive <laughs> guy, but because of their health. We've seen it so many times. I mean, you know, Robert Griffin III is a perfect example. He came into the league and he was absolutely flying. He was brilliant, quite literally. But he put his body on the line because he was doing design runs. They were getting him out of the pocket. He got beat up and he ended his career. You know, look at Lamar Jackson, the way that the Ravens have changed their offense to accommodate the fact that they don't want him running out as often as he did because of injuries. Um, I just think you've got to play a player like this cautiously. You know, and let's not forget, he's only been in the league, what, two years now? This is his second season, yeah. Second season, yeah. He's still young. He's still. He's admitted he's still learning, you know. So let let's feed the offense. Get let let's stack up the receivers. Let's go and get a decent running back to allow him to flourish because we know what he can do. 
What I would say is he's a little bit bigger than Robert Griffin in terms of stature, not in terms of height. There's a bit more about him. And I think if they are going to use him this way, they've got to make sure that he's in the weight room enough, as you say, to be able to make sure that he can handle the hits which are going to come his way. I think when you look at him, though, you would say at the moment, kind of, it's a smaller sample size, but he looks to be a better runner of the football than Lamar Jackson. And he's got a very similar delivery compared to Lamar Jackson. That He's got quite a long throwing motion. But because he's, he's on the move all the time, that's not a problem. You need a quick release if you're going to stay in the pocket because you're under pressure. But when you're rolling out, that longer motion isn't so much of an issue. When he does let the ball go, he can throw a spiral like Brett Favre used to. I mean, he's got finger-breaking power, you know, in terms of the way he throws the ball. I just think that Chicago might not win a Super Bowl while he's the quarterback. But I think what the fans and what we're going to benefit from watching him on Red Zone or whatever it is every Sunday is that all of a sudden you've got a player now again in the NFL that comes in that makes you sit and watch him. You know, if yeah. Mahomes is on, you stop what you're doing and you watch. If, if Lamar's on, you stop what you're doing and you watch. Yeah. Two has been a little bit like that this year too, hasn't he? Because he's had such a good year. Here's another one that all of a sudden, he almost transcends it a little bit. And then when we go back to the international series, if you hear the Bears are coming, there's a real buzz because Justin Fields is going to play at Wembley. Justin Fields is going to play at Tottenham. You want that franchise then to come because you want to see that individual. He's going to sell a ton of shirts. And as I say, he's charismatic. He's good looking. He's going to be the kind of person that people want to be seen with. And, and I think it's what he's doing at the moment is, is astonishing. I, I, and by the way, if you were shrewd enough to pick him up in both of your fantasy leagues. Oh, let's not talk about fantasy. Listen, listen, as I, as I was. As I was. Just give me a, a minute, ladies and gentlemen. Just go and let me just go and grab that trumpet that Darren likes blowing himself. He's 40, 40 points a week. He's 40, 40 points. Give it a rest. 40 points a week. Give it a rest. Give it a rest, Fletcher. 40 oh. points a week. My fantasy football teams, I've been battered by injury. I got battered by going in early on wide receivers and running. Oh, my. It's shocking this year. It really is. Because, no, we weren't going to talk about fantasy, but I'm going to I'm going to pick your brains, Darren. And this Go is on. for everyone who plays fantasy football. Yeah. The number one rule in fantasy football on draft night is don't get a QB early. Because we know that good running backs and receivers are few and far between. However, I did just that, and I ended up with uh, who did I get? I think did you get Josh Allen. With, no, I didn't. I didn't get any of the top five. Right. So what I've been doing this season, and this is part of the reason of my failure, is bouncing around the QB waiver. So we've got Jared Goff, we've got Mariota, you know those kind of quarterbacks who. Not regular point scorers, but you never know. You might get a game out of them. So I'm thinking next season, I'm going to go QB second after a high-end running back because I think you need you need consistent points. No, no I, I disagree. And I know that I'm, people are going, no, don't be so stupid. Go get a running back or a receiver. But if you think there's only five tight ends in the league who are scoring more than 10 points on a regular basis, 
Right, so you know if you haven't got one of those five, your tight end's getting you, what, four points, something like that. It's not good. You need a good defense to get consistent points. I think there's there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors around going getting a running back and the wide receivers in the first two or four rounds. Okay, so I, I would agree with you to a point. If you said to me, I'm going to get a quarterback in the third round, then I would say that's acceptable. Fourth would be better. The fourth round would always be the earliest I'd go because nobody else has taken them then. So if you went in the third, I still think you'd get the best quarterback on the board or certainly the second best or third best quarterback on the board. By not taking a running back or a receiver, though, in the second round, by the time you pick in the fourth, you're into an entirely different bracket of players. So I think, yeah, there's nothing wrong with taking a quarterback earlier. The first two rounds have got to be skilled position players. You've either got to get Travis Kelsey if you're picking a tight end. If you don't get Travis Kelsey, don't bother. You've got to go running back, running back, or running back receiver, or receiver, receiver. If you went third, right, I'm now going to go get Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or whatever. I haven't got a problem with that. I, I don't subscribe to this. Don't take one either. I always like one. I've got a <laughs> tier of quarterbacks that I want. I'll take the one at the bottom of that tier, but after that, I know I'm in a world of hurt if I haven't got one of them. My, my lowest one that I was happy to have this year was Russell Wilson, and he stinks. And I've been fortunate I could get Justin Fields to, to replace him, and it's paid off. But I think that probably five or six that you really want. But if you went in the third round, I guarantee you that you'd get one of them in the third. Certain, possibly the fourth, because I think your pick would then make other people pick, because they're all waiting. When the first one goes, the dominoes start to fall a little bit. But I, I, I wouldn't talk you away from taking one in the third round. I, I'd steer you away from the second, unless if Fields goes through this year and has 40 points a week, he's going to be a first-rounder next year. Because Oh, 100%. Years. You remember when Michael Vick was in the NFL? You'd always take Michael Vick in the first round. Michael Vick could be the first pick because he got that many points. So there's a lot to be said for what he does the rest of the way. But I certainly think when you get to about the third round, if that's what you want to do, if anybody criticises you at that point, then they they, they, they shouldn't be doing because that's fine. I'd I, I take that. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a shocker because of injuries. I, I think it's crazy. I mean, especially if you took... Imagine if you took the Colts running back in the first round, number one pick. He's had a nightmare. That whole team right, had yeah. a nightmare. I, I went yeah, I had him last year, Jonathan Taylor. He won, he won me the league. Jonathan, Without yeah. Jonathan Taylor last year, I don't win the league I'm in. This year, I didn't get him. I've just traded for him. I gave up Lamar Jackson, and I ended up, because I got Justin Fields, and I ended up getting Jonathan Taylor. And I'm hoping second half of the season is going to be better, because he can't be this bad. But, like you say, he's the first overall pick in everybody's draft. And if you were redrafting now, there'd probably be 12 running backs taken in front of him, regardless of anybody else. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Hey, uh, right have, then. Go on. Oh, I want to ask you this. I want to get your, your thoughts on this. Do you still think the Buffalo Bills can win the Super Bowl? I do, yeah. Do you? I do, yeah. Because I don't believe in the Minnesota Vikings. No, I didn't ask you that. Now, you came for me. <laughs> you came for me on five line about this. And ever since then, Minnesota have done nothing but win. So I'm I'm okay with that pick. I said, you know, a team that we're not to I with, I'm happy with that. Josh Allen... He's turning the ball over a lot, a mm. lot. And they still can't run the ball. Can you win the Super Bowl playing that way when it's all on a quarterback that 
turns it over and he can't run it. The defense is fine. But I, I, I thought they were more complete than they look. I thought he, somebody said on an NFL podcast that I listened the other day to, did we underestimate Brian Dayball being with Josh Allen? Brian Dayball's gone to New York. And now people have started to say, maybe Daniel Jones is a decent quarterback after all, because he's got Brian Dayball. Maybe Josh Allen, without Brian Dayball, is not quite the second coming of Patrick Mahomes because he started to make mistakes. You've seen one quarterback spike with him as his head coach, and you've seen the quarterback that spiked with him as, as his offensive coordinator drop off now that he's gone. I don't think they can get past Kansas City in the playoffs. And I also think if Cincinnati carry on playing the way they are, the way they're scoring points, he can have a problem with them too because he's making a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I think you need a running game, don't you, Darren? Yeah. You know, you and I know you need a running game. You need a running game to just basically keep the defence on the toes. If you've got a quarterback who's going to pass it every down, then you're just in cover four all afternoon. Just drop your DBs back and just wait. That's all you got to do. And then just have one linebacker shadow whoever's in the backfield because you know it's not going to be a run. It's as simple as that. And I, I, If you say that, though, what you've just said, I get it. I take it on board. I really do. But... I've got to doff my cap to Robert Salah at the New York Jets. Oh, come on. Because you talk about quarterbacks and you talk about Josh Allen not performing. The Jets are winning without a quarterback. Let's not forget. Zach Wilson isn't doing what Zach Wilson should do. Uh, they even had Joe Flacco on the center. They are winning. He has built a culture at the New York Jets, which will flourish. Because if you can win games with that squad, no offence to Jets fans, no offence, with that squad, then the world is your oyster if you've got draft picks coming your way. Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious me, the Jets, if they could just pile into a little bit of free agency next season, they are legitimate, legitimate playoff-bound team. I'm going to make a bold prediction here, which might be stupid, and I might have the biggest amount of egg on my face at the end of the season. I don't think Buffalo even win their own division. I think the Dolphins win that division. I think Josh Allen makes too many mistakes. And I think that they're going to look back on this season as an opportunity lost because they're not going to be this, what we thought to be a complete loaded roster forever. Contracts are going to need to be done. People are going to need to get paid. The talent levels are going to drop. You have a window to win in the NFL. And Buffalo's window is now. And they don't look as good this year to me. Now we're into the season as they did last year. Um, I think they've got a lot to get past in the AFC. And, and I, I just wouldn't have any faith in, in what they do. They just don't seem balanced enough. And the point you make, you know, that we know you need a running game. You never need that running game more so than in January when you're playing playoff matches and you've maybe got to go to Arrowhead and play Mahomes. And it, you, know, you can go and have the shoots out that you had last year, which they lost, by the way. But if you can go and control the clock a little bit, that makes that game a bit easier to manage. So I, I, I'm, I'm worried about them. They're, they're the team at the moment that I kind of went into the season thinking, well, they're bulletproof. I don't think they are. And I think the quarterback needs to stop forcing it. Make it but I think he's under too much pressure. I think the same team. Can you be the running back and the quarterback? We spoke about Justin Fields. The problem for Josh Allen is he's not as athletic when he runs as Justin Fields. And everybody also knows what he's going to be doing now. So he's got a problem. They're an injury away from imploding, aren't they? That's what oh, we're saying. Just a bit. Yeah. That's what we're yeah. saying. Yeah. Um, interesting stuff. And that division, it, it, it's epic. I mean, everyone was talking about the Chargers 
Uh, everyone was talking about Kansas City. Everyone was talking about the Raiders. Uh, and that and the, and the Broncos investing high to go and get Russell Wilson. That's not played out as we expected. We're talking about the New York Jets, Darren. We're talking about the Miami Dolphins. This is like old school. We are going back in time. Uh, only, we're witnessing a revelation and a revolution. The only thing I want to see, though, which we're now at the end of the season, is switch back to the helmets. They had like a Concorde on the side. Yes. The old Jets. Yeah. The green with the white, that yes. little plane on the side. Yes. Was, yeah. Ken, Ken O'Brien getting battered by Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that one. Yeah. That yeah. one. Yeah. That. Back to then. Freeman McNeil, the running back, I remember. Al yeah. Toon, the wide receiver. Al Toon, crikey, Al Toon. yeah. And Mark yeah. Gastineau on the defensive end. <laughs> yeah, good, That's good, what good. we need to get back to. Yeah, yeah. perfect. That's but I think it's all... And, let, you know, let's talk about that division. We mentioned the New York Giants there. Uh, my mate Daniel Jones is pulling it out of the bag. It's not pretty, but they're getting Ws. Yeah, they are. And, and, and i tell you what was interesting. I listened to something the other day. Jimmy Johnson was on the radio in the U.S., and obviously, Jimmy's Dallas Cowboys through and through when he looks at that division. Yeah. But he made the point. He said, Philadelphia have a problem. They've got a problem when they're behind in games. And they've got a problem when teams see them for the second time. Now, they played the Washington Commanders on Monday night for the second time. And Ron Rivera knew exactly what to do. They played with a lead. They weren't great coming from behind Philadelphia, as Jimmy suggested. And he said, I think this is going to be a problem for them moving on. He said it was the same with Baltimore. Baltimore, the first year under Lamar, when they got to the playoffs, went rolling through. They played the Chargers for the second time in the playoffs and lost because the Chargers then had seen it. And things catch up so quickly in the NFL. A new wrinkle doesn't last forever, doesn't last the season. And I think it's going to be fascinating now when they play Dallas for the second time, when they play the Giants for the second time. Are they going to look like the juggernaut that they've been looking up until Monday night when they lost to Washington? So I think that's that's it. We, we, I, I'm as guilty as anybody. I just got them in the Super Bowl representing the NFC because I thought they'd be so much better. But there speaks a very wise, great National Football League head coach who said, just hang on a second. If I was seeing them for the second time, I can stop it. I can stop that team second time. Maybe not first, second time, yes. And by the time you get to the playoffs, you would presume you might be playing a team for the third time, let alone the second time, but there is going to be a lot of tape on you and you are going to be able to deal with that. Well, speaking of second games, I'm I'm really looking forward to, and it's in the diary, it's marked, I'm really looking forward to that second game, Cowboys versus Eagles. Yeah. I want to know what my mate Adam Dirty and the defence have come up with uh, because... It is intriguing. And I think that matchup is going to define that division. Uh, because I don't I don't think I'd like to believe with FA on the Washington Commanders' side. I'd like to believe that they can pull something back, but I just think they're too far behind at the moment. But, you know, let's stop our caps to Heineke. I mean, absolutely flying. The boy's putting in a shift over there in yeah. Washington. He really is. Dallas blew that game against Green Bay on Sunday night. Had they won that game with the Philadelphia loss on Monday, Dallas would have had control of their own destiny within that division. Yeah. Because they would have had the game to come against Philadelphia. That yeah. would have put them level in terms of the one loss record. Yeah. And Dallas would have controlled their own destiny. Must when they look lost. back on the end of the season, that 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 failure to win against a, a pretty poor Green Bay team could be really costly for them. 
couldn't it? Yeah, definitely. I totally yeah. agree. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. World Cup starts this weekend. Yeah. Uh, obviously, controversy about it being in Qatar with their human rights record and everything that's going on. But as a tournament, Darren, and you being the uh, the voice of both BT Sport and Radio 5 Live when it comes to football, soccer, um, what do you reckon? Who, who are the favourites? Just give us a quick overview of this World Cup. I like Brazil to win it. I look at Brazil's squad goalkeeper. They've got the two best in the world, Edison and Alisson. They've got, I think, nine forwards in the team. All nine would start for the majority of teams in the tournament. They're absolutely loaded. Central midfield players, they've got them coming out their ears. You know, they've left Roberto Firmino at home. He can't get in the squad. That's how strong they are. If they've got a weakness, it might be in the fullback positions. But when you're as strong as they are, everybody else, everywhere else, I don't think it'll be an issue. I like them to win it. Um, I think they're going to be great to watch. I think England fall just short quarterfinals around there because I don't think they will. They'll play open enough, expansively enough. I think they're going to try and defend. I don't think they're defending well enough. I don't think Gareth Southgate's going to let them off the leash. I think it's going to be a tournament for goals. I think it's going to be a high-quality tournament as well because they all go straight from a league season straight into the World Cup. So nobody's took the foot off the gas. Nobody's had a rest. So the level of play should be extremely high. They've gone straight from a Champions League campaign, in most cases, straight into a World Cup. I think that's going to be fine. I think he's going to come and bite the competitions after Christmas when players start to run out of steam and start to pick up injuries. I think there's some fascinating markets in terms of top goal scorer in the World Cup. And Harry Kane's favourite is 8-1, to one, but I, I don't necessarily like that. I've had three bets, Fern, top right. scorer for the World Cup. I've had Vinicius Junior from Real Madrid and Brazil, yeah, who is 28-1. to one. And he was one of the main reasons that they won the Champions League last year. He's been scoring goals in La Liga and the Champions League this year. Great value at 28-1. to one. Germany, I had Bastian Schweinsteiger on my radio programme on Sunday and he said to me that Germany are going to score bucketfuls of goals and let them in with equal regularity. Germany are going to be... What, he said that? Yeah, he said, we, we can't stop scoring and we can't stop conceding. You're going to love to watch us. So I've had a little nibble at 40-1 to 1 on Serge Gnabry, bearing that in mind. If they're going to score goals, why not him? And then the other one I like because he's just a natural goal scorer. Liverpool fans are starting to see it. Darwin Nunez of Uruguay, 50 to 1 to win the Golden Boot at the World Cup. 50 to 1. Now, 
these golden boots tend to be won not by the player that scores every match. They tend to be won by the player that somehow gets a hat-trick somewhere in the group or gets two in this game. and All of a sudden, they go into the knockout stages away and clear. I just look at some of the nations who I think are going to score goals and they were, they're the ones that I've gone for. I'm not saying they're right. My money's down on those three. Vinicius, 28 to 1. Gnabry, 40 to 1. Darwin Nunez, 50 to 1. When you think Neymar's about 9 to 1 in the same team as Vinicius at 28 to 1, why would you why would you take the shorter price? Yeah, good man. Good man. All right, thanks, Darren. Uh, always oh, a, a dark pleasure. Horse, Burn a dark horse. Yeah. I would have said Senegal, but Mane's out. Mm. They're a really good team, Senegal. Lots of really talented players. I would have said Senegal, but I think they won't be able to cope without Sadio Mane. A team that's going to be better than, than people might think they are, and nobody's talking about them, just because they're a good team. Denmark. Denmark are a good team. So I think Denmark might just cause a surprise somewhere as the tournament goes. Yeah, good. I'm looking... Well, I, I am looking forward to it. But it's this cloud of controversy that is really kind of putting it in the shadows. That's the best way. It's the best way to describe it. Vernon, it shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be there. You know, you can pick whatever human rights issue or concern you have. It shouldn't be there. And the fact that Infantino's come out from FIFA and said we should just concentrate on the football, the biggest example of burying your head in the sand that I've ever seen. These issues need to be spoken about. The country needs to make changes. And if it can't change around the World Cup and the narrative can't be there, then we've all let ourselves down because this is an opportunity to make change in that country yeah. based on what they're about to host. And it's yeah. concerned me again today, and I'm going to speak about this on my Five Live programme later. They've now decided today that they're not going to serve alcohol around the matches. Two now, days before the tournament right, starts. Right. Two days. Now, I've not got a concern about whether you can get a pint or not, but the bigger picture is what else are they going to change now on a whim? Because there are people going out there um, who have concerns about their own safety for various reasons when they enter that country. And everybody so far has said, yeah, but this is going to be okay. That's going to be okay. And this would normally be the case, but it's not. So if they're starting to change things now on a whim, why, why can't we be confident that other scenarios won't develop during the course of the tournament that could put certain people at risk, could make people feel uncomfortable, and might not make that experience that they're hoping for be what it actually is. And that concerns me a lot. Yeah, it's a little bit disappointing that we've had, is it 12 years since the decision was made to host it in Qatar? Because they did two at once, didn't they? Russia and Qatar. And it's really sad and disappointing that the that not everyone, but the majority of the sports journalists have only now decided to pipe up and talk about the issues that are in Qatar. We've had 12 years to discuss this. We've had 12 years to say it's not right. But, you know... Going into it, like you said, two days before, oh, we've changed our drinking policy. Yeah. So what other policies are they going to change? Exactly. Either today, tomorrow, during the tournament, that are going to make certain people from certain groups feel either threatened, uncomfortable, unsafe, and, and, yeah. and, and make that experience what it shouldn't be. Anybody should be able to get on a plane and travel to that country and just watch the football, enjoy the fiesta that it should be, and have no issue about anything else. And that's yeah. not going to be the case, I'm afraid, no. in Qatar for this tournament. And I don't like that. That's that's not what no. the World Cup is. The World Cup is it's a celebration, not. it's a yeah. fiesta, it's a party. Darren, Darren, you're always right. And no more so than this point. 
The World Cup is the only time that my mum will sit down and watch a full game of football because it brings us all together. And in that sentence, brings us all together is what is the most important thing about the World Cup football tournament. Everyone should be involved. It's all inclusive. It doesn't cut people off. And that's why it really pisses me off that we're having this conversation just... It started just several months before the tournament. Why? Yeah. Why? It's ridiculous. Did yeah. no one say to Seth Blatter before he got his big fat brown envelope, hang on a minute, do you know what's going on human rights-wise in Qatar? No one, not everyone is going to be welcomed into that country. It's bonkers. Yeah, it shouldn't, it shouldn't, it, for, for those reasons alone, it shouldn't be there. And there are so many countries that would have hosted this tournament and made the World Cup what it needs to be. You know, I, I actually feel, I don't want to get too deep into all this, I actually feel that we shouldn't have to have this conversation because the World Cup shouldn't be there. We should be having the conversation based on the fact that the conversation needs to be had anyway. But we're no, only I mean, it because they've got the World Cup, which is even more bonkers. We, me and I should be talking now on this podcast saying, Darren, can't wait to see you on Sunday down at Box Park where yeah. the sun is going to be beating down on a lovely, sunny summer afternoon. We'll go and have a few beers, sing a few songs. We'll watch England play. It's going to be fantastic. But instead, yeah. it's going to be pissing down. It's going to be cold. It's going to be dark at half past four. And football isn't going to be the biggest topic of conversation come Sunday afternoon. It's no. not right. No. And, and if, by the way, if this World Cup, if the legacy of this World Cup isn't that Qatar becomes an entirely different country because of it, then it's been a waste of everybody's time. The only purpose of having the World Cup in that country needs to be because of the amount of change it's going to lead to for the people that live there, visit there, etc. If that isn't the case, then it makes a bigger mockery of the fact that it's gone there in the first place. Good point. Very good point. Well raised. Uh, Well, let's change the tone before we say goodbye. We can't leave on that. Uh, To lift the spirits, I've got to say, crikey, Tom Brady looked very handsome in Munich, didn't he? With his suntan and his chiseled chin. He did at the time when they were starting to see one or two little rumours in the US that Giselle might have another man on her arm. You're joking! An MMA trainer who's been travelling with him. All getting All getting rather murky. Get yeah, Darren Fletcher being out of very old Closer magazine. <laughs> uh, yeah, all getting rather murky. I've been following that this week. Yeah, wow. So, yes, yeah, so that might be the next one on the uh, on the agenda. So good grief. Well, at least it's not Antonio Brown. No. Hey, here's one for you. Have you got the Disney Plus app? Uh, I have. Yeah. 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 I, I, know, I know that this is about the NFL, but watch the captain about okay. Derek Jeter. It's a six or seven parter. And he was the captain of the New York Yankees, iconic baseball player, played on those great Yankees teams that won numerous World Series in the 90s and beyond. Um, absolute icon, Hall of Famer. And this is, it's been done by the ESPN 30 for 30 team. So you know how high the standard is. And everybody's on it. Everybody, everybody you need to tell that story is on it, including Michael Jordan, by the way, who's his mate. Right. Michael Jordan's even on there talking about Derek Jeter. Derek's on it all the way through. And it's absolutely fantastic. I think it might be the best sports documentary I've watched. And I include The Last Dance in that. It's absolutely brilliant. I wow. watched the first one. 
couldn't stop watching it. It's actually worth subscribing to the the, the app if you haven't got it, just to watch that because you pay to watch it. It's okay. Brilliant. I'll watch brilliant. that. What's it called? Yeah. The Captain. The Captain. Yeah, nice. it's outstanding. Hey, there's a all right. We were supposed to end five minutes ago, but you've got to watch. It was on Sky a couple of nights ago. A football life of Carson Palmer, right? Yes, I will. Right, it's brilliant. And for me, being a, a kind of a technician, I guess, and, and learning about American football, one thing I didn't realize was how tight a spiral Carlson Palmer threw on a regular basis. Honest, Darren, there's some slow mo shots. And the ball isn't even pivoting on its axis. It just oh. looks like it's just coming through the air stationary. Like, unbelievable. I don't think, I honestly don't think I've seen a quarterback throw it like that, ever. Love that. Ever. Hey. And, it, and it was Larry Fitzgerald who said, I've never, I've never caught a football where the spiral has been so tight. I'm like, wow. It's insane, Darren. When you watch it, you'll go, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just about just going back to the captain, the documentary is so good, and they ask every question they need to ask. Derek Jeter even addresses the story personally about the goodie bags being given to the ladies after they were driven away from Derek's apartment. He even tells the story about that. Wow. This is how good it is. There's a bit in there for everybody, I'll tell wow. you. Wow. You've been jeted. <laughs> All right, Darren, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, are you doing anything for the World Cup? Is that keeping no. you busy at all? No? Time no. off? I'm going to do my... My, um, my mate's got a, a nice bar, big bar in Nottingham, so he's asked me to host the England matches at the bar. Oh, brilliant. So we've got Des Walker coming to join me, Chris Waddle's coming to join me, so we've got some England players coming to be with me. I think about 500 people are going to be in there watching the game. It's a huge venue. So we're going to have the game on the big screen. Where's Des this? Walker. Chrissy Waddle in Nottingham. The Trent navigation. So it's going to be great. So we've got room for everybody. We've got a couple of legends there as well. So uh, so it's going to be great. So we're going to have a, a real party around the England games um, with those with those boys coming to join us. Starting this Monday versus Iran? Starting this Monday versus Iran. Do you know what, Darren? I might have a bit of that, my friend. I've got well, a day off. You have an open invitation. You always do. So we'll be there. I think Kevin Nolan's joining us on the He's day. He's not! So oh, the big dog! You won't actually be Bolton's finest. That exactly. Kevin will be there. Kevin's hey, I'll tell you what, speaking of Bolton's finest, we should, I should just quickly doff my cap to uh, Gary Cahill, who's announced yes. his retirement. Uh, yes. Good luck, Gary. All the best, my friend. Absolute yeah. uh, stalwart in a Bolton squad back in the day. And obviously yeah. went on uh, the great success with Chelsea and beyond and England. Yes. So the, the invitation's there. We've got all and sundry coming. It's going to be a great day. I won't remember a great deal of it by the time it finishes, but it's going to be good. All right, brilliant. Uh, awesome. All right, well, that's for the diary. Uh, Darren Fletcher, as always, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. With me, Vernon Kane, of course, this has been a Shooting Shark production. Subscribe, like, leave your comments, and hopefully we'll see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.